Good evening. Welcome to worship tonight. We are glad uh, that you're here. If you're a guest with us, uh, either in person or online, my name is Paul, one of the pastors here at Hope. Uh, if you know me, you know that I usually don't wear a suit, especially on a Wednesday night. And you're probably like, what's going on? He's either asking for money or, no, I'm just kidding. I'm not doing any of that type of stuff. Uh, I have a prayer service right after this that I have to get to, so I want to make sure that I dress acceptable for the proper occasions. That's important. Uh, but, uh, you know, we can dress up for church, too. It's a good thing. We are continuing this sermon series called Sermon on the Mount. And this sermon series is based on the greatest sermon ever preached, the one that Jesus preaches in Matthew's Gospel is recorded there, and is filled with wisdom for our lives today. Today we're going to be looking at the, the very end of the sermon, the very end of the sermon, where Jesus uses a metaphor. And he says that a wise person is like a person who builds their house on a rock. When the storms come, when the wind blows, it's a, on a solid foundation. And a foolish person is like someone who builds their house on the sand. When the storm comes, when the wind blows, it, it knocks the house down. And he says the difference between the wise and the foolish is that the wise, they hear his word and they put it into practice. They hear his word and they put it into practice. So I want to start with a question tonight. Are you wise or are you foolish? Are you wise or are you foolish? This is actually a category of labeling people that Jesus is copying from the book of Proverbs. In Proverbs, King Solomon, who, who writes this book of wisdom called Proverbs, says that there's three types of people. Three types of people. I mean, I know there's a lot more than that, but this is a biblical, uh, biblical example of, of the categories that we can fit in. There's the wise, and the wise are the ones that trust God. Wise are the ones that are listened to God's word, put it into practice, that do wise things, right? That, ha that have the wisdom that comes from the Lord. There's the foolish, and the foolish are those that maybe they don't know the truth. Uh, they make foolish decisions. They act in foolish ways. Perhaps they even know what the right thing is to do, but they, they, they make dumb mistakes in, in this life. And then there's the evil, the evil. And that's not a category here that Jesus talks about, but in Proverbs, King Solomon talks about it. And evil people who are, are they're, they're ones that make bad decisions intentionally. You see the difference? Uh, we can be foolish, meaning we, we make mistakes. Uh, we, we do it maybe out of our ignorance, out of a, a lack of wisdom, versus being an evil person. An evil person is one that knows what the right thing is to do. They know what the God-honoring thing is to do, and they choose to do that which is wrong, that which is corrupt. But for us tonight, I have this question. Are you wise or are you foolish? It's a Jesus question. And the question is really about, is your life built on the rock or not? So what does that mean for our life to be built on the rock, to hear God's word, to put it into practice? Well, I think to get some clarification that, let's look at our first lesson tonight. Psalm 40. Psalm 40 was written by King David, and it's a beautiful psalm that talks about being on the rock. And I think walking through this psalm is going to give us some insight into what Jesus means about being wise or foolish. 
So here's how Psalm 40 starts. If you want a rock solid face, faith, this is what Psalm 40 says. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. So it starts with this, this beautiful statement. I waited patiently for the Lord and he turned to me and heard my cry. Uh, part of our, our faith journey sometimes is, is what we perceive as waiting on God, waiting on God for a response for him to hear us and to respond to our, our need in this world. The psalmist is saying, I waited patiently for the Lord, so I exercised some patience, and God responded. God heard my cry. Heard my prayer is another way uh, to put it. So rock-solid faith begins with seeking God by exercising some patience and, and asking God, crying out to God about what our need is, what our questions are, and what we want in this world. I waited on the Lord patiently, and he heard my cry. And then it continues this way. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. I love this verse. It's actually one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Some of the older translations will say, he, he, he lifted me out of the miry clay. I think that's a fun word to say, miry Let's say it together, miry. We, that's like a word we don't say a lot anymore. Uh, he lifted me out of the miry clay. What, what is that about? Uh, I grew up in the, in the country in northern Minnesota, and so I love the mud. And I was a boy that, that outside of my door was woods and forest and swamps. And so miry clay or, or slimy pit, that's something I can relate to because I, I remember many a times walking home uh, with no tennis shoes or, you know, having lost my boots or something like that, and we had to go back and get them because you'd go into the swamp and you'd go into the mud and you'd go into the dirt. And have you ever walked, right, in that stuff? We have this in the Red River Valley. They call it gumbo when the fields are really wet, right? It just, it just sticks. It gets heavy. And you, and you get that point with your boots going there where you can't pull them out. Anybody been there? Am I the only one? Okay. All right. Uh, it was so much fun as a kid, to get stuck in the mud, to get stuck in the mud. And as a country kid, uh, one of the things that I learned as I got older, and we started learning about these fun things called, you know, four-wheelers and snowmobiles and dirt bikes and cars and trucks, is that you had to be prepared wherever you went to get stuck. And to this day, I, I take those lessons, and I want to see who it is. I ask some people. To this day, in my truck, I carry two things. I didn't bring the other thing, uh, but a tow rope. This is actually better than a tow rope, right? Anybody got one of these in their truck right now? Okay, look around. You'll see who's got some wisdom here today. If you don't have one, you should, because you might get stuck in this thing called snow, and this will help you in that situation, right? And so you have a tow rope uh, with you, and the other thing, what is the other thing that you should carry in addition to this? Anybody that raised their hand? Jumper, well, jumper cables, yes. You can avoid that by having a really high-quality battery and, and testing that in the future. Uh, but a shovel, that's right. Uh, you got to have a snow shovel in that. And, and one of the, the things that I loved to do uh, when I was in high school, because I had a big truck, was in those winter days when everybody got stuck. I lived in the country. We always were going in the ditch everywhere. Is you drive around, and, and you just, if you saw someone in the ditch, you were like, yes. 
game on. Right, this is my chance to you know, exercise some ingenuity and pull them out of the ditch. It was, it was a lot of fun until you went in the ditch, of course, and you were stuck, and there's lots of stories about that we're not gonna tell. It's a powerful metaphor, though, however, for, for life. Sometimes in life, right, we get stuck in the mud. We get stuck in the, in the miry clay. Uh, the, the Hebrew for this phrase actually translates probably more directly as the pit of tumult. The pit of tumult, meaning we get stuck in places of desperation. We get stuck in places of pain. We, we get stuck in places of struggle in life. Anybody with me? I think there's kind of two ways uh, there are things that cause us to get to stuck. There, there's outward things and there's inward things. The, the outward things are, are the things that happen to us. You know, maybe there's a, a health diagnosis. Um, maybe it's a, a person that comes into our life that, that's just really broken and has some bad intent for us or we have conflict in that. Um, maybe it's a financial struggle or financial crisis that we're in, something happens to us, right? This unexpected bill arrives or this, or this lawsuit or something like that, right? Outward things that happen to us that cause us to get stuck in the miry clay of life, the, the pit of tumult, places of struggle, places of desperation. But often in life, and, and they are related, we also get stuck in, in what I would call inner struggles, inner places of tumult. And this is more to do with that interior life, right? The condition of our soul. We get, we get stuck in anger. We get stuck in places of jealousy and envy. Here, here's one. I bet you none of this, none of you struggle with this. We get stuck in our pride. Right? We must be right and the other person's wrong. We get stuck in addictions. We get stuck in all these places that, that what, what happens when that miry clay. It's not like a kid, you know, where we could pull each other out and it was kind of fun. Pain happens. Struggle happens. Hurt happens. We, we hurt ourselves and, and oftentimes unintentionally we, we hurt other people. David, who wrote this psalm, he knew about pits of tumult. He, he got in places where he made bad decisions, like having an affair with a married woman that got him really stuck in life. But he says it doesn't stop there. This is what the, the psalm says. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He sets my feet on a rock and gives a firm place to stand. As followers of Jesus Christ, one of the things that, that we know is that when we get stuck in life is that we have one to call on. We have someone we know who rescues, who redeems, right? Jesus is the ultimate off-road rescue operator. And the tools that he used to deliver us from that miry pit is the cross. He enters into a pit. He enters into darkness. He enters into the suffering of this world. He enters into our brokenness. 
And he's with us in that. He hears the cry of our hearts. He's with us in that. But that doesn't stop him. Death doesn't hold him. It doesn't defeat him. He rises again three days later from the grave, victorious over sin and death, so that we might have a savior and a redeemer that lifts us out of the pit and puts our feet on the rock. That's the nature of God. He is savior. He is redeemer. He's the one that delivers, that lifts us out of the pit. He puts our feet on the rock. So what is the rock? Well, I believe that David, when writing this psalm, right, he understood that it was both, the rock was solid ground, right, a firm place to stand, a firm place to walk. But also, we know, because we can fast forward into the future, and we, we hear Jesus today preaching to us on the Sermon on the Mount, we know that the rock is so much more. That the, that the rock that God puts us on, the rock which we stand on, is his holy word. And his holy word that points to Jesus himself. Have you thought about God's word that way in your life? That this is the rock that points to Jesus, right? Jesus is the rock within this rock that we can base our lives on, that we can stand on in our lives. And Jesus says that the wise person is someone who hears my word and puts it into practice. They build their house. They live their life on that firm foundation. So again, I'll ask you that question. Are you wise or are you foolish? Are you wise or are you foolish? Here's another way to think about it. It's football season, love football, right? So I got to use a football metaphor. Uh, imagine you're a quarterback in the NFL, and uh, you've got a lot of responsibilities, right? It's, a, it's an important job. The team largely centers around the offense, does at least, uh, your ability to, to call the plays, make the plays, execute the plays. You, you're the one that touches the ball after the center hikes it to you and decides what you're going to do with it. But imagine you're a quarterback, and your NFL coach is the best coach that's ever lived. I, I spent way too much time on the internet asking the internet, who's the best NFL football coach or the best football coach that's ever lived? Any, any guesses where most of the blogs and articles said this person was? Anybody guess? Vince Lombardi, right? Uh, it seemed to be like that was dominantly the clear one. Even though he coached for the Packers for most of his career, I have to grudgingly admit, sorry, Colleen, it was nice having you on the worship team. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm teasing. <laughs> that, that he is considered by far and away the best coach. So imagine that you're the quarterback, right? And Vince Lombardi is your coach. And he wrote the playbook. And he's calling the plays. I know there's offensive coordinators and all that stuff too, but the head coach is ultimately calling the plays. So there's little microphones in, in your ear and calling the plays. And, and, and you're in the Super Bowl. And the game's on the line. Right? When Vince Lombardi calls the plays and tells you what to execute, what, what are you going to do? 
you're probably going to listen to the greatest coach ever. It'd be, would you consider it a foolish thing to say, ah, that old man, he doesn't know what he's doing. I mean, he's just got Super Bowl championships, and he just took a team that had no resources and no money uh, and, and built a, a championship out of it, right? I mean, we don't, we don't have to listen to that guy. He, I mean, right? Come here, come here, offense. He says to do this, we're going to do it our way. I'm going to do it my way. Now, would you say that's wise or foolish? Absolutely foolish, right? You have the best coach in the world calling the plays. You've got to trust that coach about the direction of your life. Yet church, I think we live in a culture and time where so many people consider themselves to be Christian they would call themselves that. They, they would say, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. The greatest coach that's ever lived, the source and the fount of all wisdom in this world, the rock on which we stand, and yet we insist on calling our own plays. So are you wise? Or are you foolish? Honestly, answer that question to yourself honestly. Who's in charge? Jesus says the wise person is like someone who hears his words and puts it into practice. So what are the words, right? Well, we've just been looking at the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus has lots of words. He, he talks about being salt and light in this world. He, he talks about the dangers of, of holding on to anger and the importance it is for us to let that go. He, he, he talks about the dangers of lust in this world and indulging in those things and how we need to trust in him rather than that. He, he, he tells us to keep our marriages sacred and to honor our spouse above all things and to understand that that's one of our number one commitments and priorities in life. He tells us to guard our language and to make sure that our words are true and pure, that our yes is yes and our no is no, and that we don't take the Lord's name in vain. He, he tells us not to seek vengeance, not to, 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 to you know, seek our own justice, but to give that to God and to forgive as we have been forgiven. Talk about something that we can do that will help us get unstuck in this world. He calls us to prayer daily, to pray the Lord's Prayer, but as an example and a model for, for our lives in, in terms of getting on our knees and asking God to be Lord of our life each day. He, he, he calls us to be wise stewards of the resources that we give to build up treasure in heaven, not on earth. He, 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 he instructs us about the dangers of worry in this world and how worry can can take over our lives and, and how we daily need to seek him and trust in him rather than the false promises of this world. He, he gives us strict warning about judging others, about examining the plank in our own eyes before we point out the speck in our neighbors. He, he calls us to, to seek God fervently in prayer. He warns us about false teachers that the way we root them out is through his very word and that's just in that one sermon. But all of it, 
he says, is worthless. If all you do is listen to it and go on and live your life without any change. If we go on and live our life without examining it and putting it into practice. And so I would ask you again, are you wise? Not by the standards of this world. Because the wisdom of Jesus is foolishness sometimes to this world. But in the eyes of God, who is our rock and our salvation, are you wise or are you foolish? And if you're stuck in the pit today, if you're stuck in the miry clay, I want you to hear this good news that there is a redeemer, there is a savior There is one who loves you without limit and without condition, who died on a cross for you, that entered into the miry clay, the slimy pit, the pit of tumult, and bore your sin that will jump right into whatever mess that you're in and lift you out and place your feet on the rock. Let us be wise together, people of hope. Amen. Father, thank you today for your grace and love and mercy in your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, give us your wisdom. Give us your grace. Give us your truth. Lord, lift us out of that miry clay, that slimy pit, and place our feet upon the rock. You are a rock and redeemer. Your word is our rock And it contains the good news of our salvation and the directions for our life. Help us to trust it, Lord, to hear it, to trust it, and to put it into action, to execute the play. In Jesus' name, amen.